Why do we let the culture influence, influence us so much? But we do. We let the culture direct the vision of America and the world. But the church should be the, the one directing the future. Amen? Hi, welcome to Light Words with Pastor Scott Huffman from Lighthouse Church Ministries. Today from the backyard, Pastor Scott is joined by his wife, Marilyn, and oldest daughter, Kelly. The message is titled, Is the Church Asleep? You know, I believe I have a prophetic word from the Lord today for the body of Christ and the church. It's important we listen to this word and give heed to it. Now, I'd like to pose the question to begin with, is the church today asleep in America and around the world? I want to address that serious question. But first, Casey, excuse me, Kelly has a few quick words to share with you. Kelly. Hi, good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are around the world. We're so glad to have you on and watching. Um, hello to our friends on Facebook and Instagram. And um, just wanted to say thank you for sharing the message on your pages and with your friends and family because we continue to increase um, our reach across the world and the nations with the gospel. Um, thank you for those that have been faithfully giving because that money goes 100% back into the ministry, back into people hearing the word. And you can always give through PayPal or Venmo. The Venmo is really easy. It's just at LN Lighthouse and Venmo is um, pay or sorry and PayPal is paypal.me slash LN Lighthouse and um, I think that's it dad that's all it. right praise God hallelujah first Corinthians 15 34 please yes. I'm reading out of the New Living translation think carefully about what is right and stop sinning for to your shame I say that some of you don't even know God at all the New King James Version reads awake to righteousness and do not sin for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Let's pray, Lord. We thank you and praise you for the word of God. We pray for this broadcast, Lord. We pray that you would anoint by the power of God and the spirit of God that you touch each person listening and viewing this broadcast. Uh, Lord, may they be ministered to and encouraged, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise God. Got anything to say, Marilyn? All right, take your Bibles and hold it up and repeat after me. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It was written for me. It was written for me. I am what it says I am. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I can do what it says I can do. Today my mind is alert. Today my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My heart is receptive. The spirit of faith and victory is rising up in me. The spirit of faith and victory is rising up in me. I'm growing in favor with God and with men. I'm growing in favor with God and with men. The power of the word is changing my life. The power of the word is changing my life. I will never be the same. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. Amen. amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, the Word of God will change your life and uh, change my life, and it's changed so many people around me uh, and our family when you put the Word first in your life. Amen? amen? The Word is working mightily in us. Well, Dad, can we say some hellos? Um, Hi to Job in Uganda. He calls it the Pearl of Africa. <laughs> Hallelujah. Corey, anyone on Instagram? Like Barefoot Mike or anyone? Okay, we're saying hi. Quiet on Instagram. <laughs> oh, and um, hi, we have a couple others. Um, Diarina or Diarina? Diarina? Rita, she says, please bless me with a good husband. Well, I'm with you, Rita. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be praying for Hey, you. that's, by the way, that's a good prayer. I mean, there's nothing wrong to pray for a spouse. Yeah. Um, we'll agree with you. 
uh, Abraham's servant went and retrieved, or <laughs> that's not a good word, but went and got Rebecca and brought Rebecca to Isaac and the beginning of a great love story. Praise God. All right, let's begin with this. Is the church asleep in America? What I mean by that, has the church of Christ become numb and indifferent to what's happening all around it? Makes you think, huh? The mass shootings, the injustices, the moral decay, and the deceitfulness of riches and fame are front and center in our world. Did you know that? <laughs> Maybe you didn't. Are we being lulled to sleep in the midst of a dying culture and near to its destruction? I remember as a youth re reading a small pamphlet that depicted a picture of our cute little church and everyone inside was asleep. <laughs> this booklet motivated our youth group to begin to pray early in the morning at the church that we were attending. Soon God began to move and things started to happen. But you know, Satan got in the way and thwarted the work due to people's refusal to allow the Holy Spirit to move in their midst. You know, you can stop the work of God. God will never force himself upon you. He's a gentleman. And you can grieve the Spirit of God and stop him from working. How sad that is. By your refusal to cooperate with him. There's a great story in the book of Judges uh, concerning being lulled to sleep. We have the story of Samson, who was one of the greatest heroes and deliverers in the Bible. The deliverer was called to avenge, defend, rescue, recover, and to save. Samson was called to be a Nazarite from birth. Let's look at Judges uh, 13.5. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son. His hair must never be cut, for he will be um, dedicated to God as a Nazarite, a Nazarite from birth, and he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Amen. Who was another Nazarite? Anybody here in this group? John the Baptist, right? And uh, that's why they said he had long hair, obviously, and perhaps a wild beard. And he wore uh, camel skins and a leather belt, and he ate locusts and wild honey, which he could have been a vegetarian. Uh, but they were both Nazarites. They were not allowed to drink alcohol, which is not a bad thing. So in this scripture, Jesus, in his pre-incarnate form, who is called the angel of the Lord, although Jesus is not an angel. Because why? Angels are created beings. And Jesus is the author of creation. He has created all things, and there is nothing before him that exists that exists. But he is called the angel of the Lord, capital A, in the Old Testament. Jesus appears, appears to Manoah and his wife. It's interesting, he never mentioned her name. But anyway, the Lord spoke the word, and then after he gave the word, he ascended in a flame of fire, Right before them, the fire of God burning with zeal and passion. Zeal said, zeal? <laughs> Jesus said, zeal for my father's house has eaten me up. We are to be zealous for the things of God and to have a holy zeal. Amen? Ask God to give you a passion for him and a zeal for him. Samson had great supernatural strength and performed great feats and miracles. Uh, the Spirit of God would come upon him and rest upon him in great power. Judges fourteen nineteen. So he said, out of one who eats comes something sweet. Out of something strong comes something sweet. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. So uh, he began to ask these riddles, and nobody could figure these riddles out. And uh, at some point, Samson killed a thousand men, a thousand Philistines, with the jawbone of a donkey. And he had been arrested after that for coming against the Philistines and was bound up in ropes in Judges fifteen fourteen. As Samson arrived at 
Lehi, Lehi. The, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. But the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson, and he snapped the ropes on his arms as they were burnt strands as of flax, and they fell from his wrists. You see, you can tell when the Spirit of God comes upon you. I've had the Spirit come upon me many times. Sometimes, like he's upon us right now, in a very subtle fashion. And sometimes he comes in great power and demonstration and might, and demonstration of the Spirit with mighty power and miracles being performed. Praise God. Well, the secret to his strength was in his long hair. There was another guy that had long hair. It was a beautiful guy. Anybody remember? We talked about him. Absalom, who hung in a tree, became a type of Jesus hanging in the tree for us and taking our sins for us. Uh, But the secret to Samson's strength was in his long hair. No one knew that. So he was tricked by Delilah, and he was lulled to sleep in her lap. Now, Delilah was a prostitute, and he had no business hanging around a prostitute. And for money, she sold him out. And he finally, she kept persisting and persisting. He was having fun, telling her all kinds of stories of where his strength lied, but he wouldn't reveal the truth. And then finally, her persistence got to him, and her charm, beauty is vain and charm is deceitful, Proverbs says, and he fell asleep in her lap. But right before he fell asleep, he told her, the secret to my strength is in my hair. If you cut my hair, I'll become like a regular person. Well, she gave away the story to the Philistines. They came, they gouged out his eyes, he cut his hair first, then gouged out his eyes, and uh, bound him in chains. And he had lost his power. But you know what? His hair grew back. <laughs> Why didn't somebody think of that? I don't know. You know, the hair's growing back. Oh, it's okay. It's all right. He doesn't need a barber. <laughs> and inside, Samson's going, keep growing, keep growing. <laughs> And he prayed, Lord, give me one more shot at these guys. I blew it. But see, whenever we blow it and make a mistake, God will hear our prayers. And when we repent, we change. Say, Lord, I blew it. I feel bad. Help me, Lord. Deliver me. Save me. Change me. Give me another chance. God will always give you another chance because he is the God of a second, third, and fourth, and fifth chance. So he prays. And this time, uh, his strength returns. And uh, he was standing in a in a giant temple, the Philistine temple corridor. And he reached out with the strength was back upon him. The spirit of God had rested upon him and he pushed with all his mind and the, and the pillars gave way and the ceiling and the roof came down and destroyed uh, more people in his death than in his life. Praise God. So he was victorious at the end of his life. Tragically, he was led astray for a time being. Now, Samson is a type of the church of Jesus Christ. We have great supernatural power available to us in Christ that can change the world. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We have dunamis, miracle, working power, guys, working in us. If you're a Christian, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God dwells upon you. Amen. But as of late... We've chosen to be lulled asleep by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Our selfishness and sin has thwarted the purposes of God. Ooh, pastor, now you're, you're probing with me. You're messing with me. I know. Myself, too. I believe this is going to change very soon, though. And God's going to move on people's hearts, and they're going to come awake to the call of the Spirit and wake out of their slumber. They're going to see that, really, a man's life, as Jesus said, does not consist in the abundance of the things they possess. And your life is not about your possessions, guys. 
And as I had a friend that used to say, it'll all rust, it'll all burn, it'll all fall apart, it'll all get a door ding, something will happen to it. Stuff falls apart. It just doesn't stay the same. And so why do we worship things when we should worship God? You should serve the Lord your God and Him only shall you worship, Jesus told the devil when he came at him to tempt him. It's interesting, Jesus spoke in the book of Revelation of the seven churches. Anybody familiar with that? I believe we're moving into the book, <clears throat> excuse me, of Revelation, the time of God revealing himself, the final time, the apocalypse, the unveiling of what will happen in, in these end times. And I believe you guys were living in it right now. And if you study the seven churches, seven is the number of completion, the number of God's perfect number, perfection. They're in chronological order, many Bible scholars believe, and I believe it as well. And the last church is what? Laodicea. Now, I thought that Jesus brought a rebuke to all the churches but one, Philadelphia. But Kelly told me that Smyrna, the persecuted church, Jesus brought no rebuke to as well. But the other five he rebuked. And when he got to Laodicea, the last church, which I believe we're living in that church age right now, sadly, uh, he had nothing but uh, rebuke towards them. No commendation, no praise. Wow, something wasn't right. And yet they had every resource you can imagine, every technological uh, uh, instrument uh, at their fingertips. But they were lacking. They were coming up short. To the church of Laodicea, the last church, he had no praise. Jesus spoke to this church with sadness. I know your works. I know you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'll vomit you. I'll spit you out of my mouth. Wow, that's strong language, isn't it? But Jesus is being serious here. Lukewarm is a state between hot and cold called what? <clears throat> Tepid. You know, when you're really thirsty, you don't want tepid milk Ugh. or tepid water. You want icy cold water, right, when you're really thirsty. Jesus went on to say the church, to the church at Laodicea, Because you say I'm rich, I become wealthy, and have need of nothing, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Wow, what a reversal. See, Jesus sees the truth about ourselves, our hearts, our heart's condition, and the truth about all people. It's interesting to note that Laodicea, Laodicea, the city, was a wealthy city, and you can visit it. It exists uh, in its ruins still today in modern-day Turkey or Asia Minor, and it's been restored. And uh, it was a very wealthy uh, city, as I mentioned, and you had every accoutrement you could imagine there. Kind of sounds like today for many people, especially living in wealthy areas around the world in the United States. Laodicea was a banking capital. I, had, I could say something there, but I won't. But anyway, uh, we are certainly a bank, banking capital. John Lennon of the Beatles once said that Rome, or excuse me, New York is Rome. Something to think about, because where is the hub of the financial world? It exists in, in I said Rome, but it's really New York. And um, uh, Laodicea was a banking community. Very wealthy. They had everything. They possessed everything. Even after there was a great earthquake that destroyed the city, the Romans, because they were annexed, uh, said to the Laodiceans, we'll help you. They said, nah, we don't need your help. We got a big roll, bank roll here. We don't need it. Uh, they had plenty of money. And yet, the culture had affected the church. 
and, the, and they were spiritually poor before Jesus and Laodicea. They didn't see the error of their ways. Uh, they, they misled, their, they didn't understand their mindset was askew, and the influence of the culture was blinding them from the truth of the pure gospel. How much that is happening today. Why do we let the culture influence, influence us so much? But we do. We let the culture direct the vision of America and the world. But the church should be the, the one directing the future. Amen? Because we will carry the future with us, to quote chariots of fire. <laughs> so Jesus said, you've lost your voice, your purpose, your spiritual focus in life, and you've become lukewarm. And they were asleep before the world and God. But Jesus offered them a second chance. He wanted a relationship with him. That's the most important thing you can have with the Lord is a relationship, right? And in life, it's all about relationships, right? The most important thing in life is relationships. And it begins first with the Lord himself. That should be your greatest and most important and endearing relationship, your love for Jesus. And then after that, there are other relationships that we have with spouses and friends and family and acquaintances and neighbors. Um, relationship is what it's all about in life. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. I'll have fellowship with him or her and he or she with me. God wants fellowship with you. He wants relationship. Now, I believe we're living right now, as I mentioned, in the church age of Laodicea. But don't panic. Don't fear. We're going to move into the church age of Philadelphia. That last great church, which was small in many ways, but mighty and powerful in God and was used in this mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what do we need to do? We need to repent, return to our first love, as Jesus told the church at Ephesus. Shake off the world, guys. It's not worth it. And this materialistic, worldly lust and the current culture, which seeks fame and popularity, did you get that? As the highest priority in life. Everybody wants to be famous. And it's so funny. The people that get famous, talk to them. Eh, you know. Eh, it wasn't so great. Got a lot of problems. And uh, fame is short-lived. And it's, as Julia Roberts quotes, it's not really real, you know, the whole thing. But we seek it so much in America. Popularity and fame. We idolize it. The Lord showed me this. These terrible shootings in the United States are motivated by the want or desire to be famous for the moment, which is, by the way, very short-lived. So these characters that go out and open fire with these automatic weapons or semi-automatic weapons, they're looking for fame because we preach that in our culture. It's not important who you are, and their fame is short-lived, and they're either going to be dead or wind up in prison the rest of their life. So uh, we bought into a lie. Now, we can blame the culture, and many people do on this, yet the church has bought into this mindset of being famous and wealthy as the most important priority of life, and it simply is not. How sad. What is the solution? I love it. Second Chronicles 7.14. Who's going to read it? Mom, um, before you do, um, we yeah. just had some hellos. Um, oh, good. I love hellos. One man, Emmanuel from Ghana, he's like, wow, every Sunday I'm here to listen because um, he's, Praise basi- God. he's basically saying, um, you know, a lot of people have it wrong in their teaching. So Hey, the Lord show me he's going to light up a fire in Africa, guys. Yeah, awesome. The fire, the revival fire is going to burn right through Af- Africa and there'll be a mighty outpouring in your in your country. 
Uh, and we're going to come there and preach the gospel, by the way. But uh, And God is going to bless your culture, too, as well. Uh, keep seeking yeah. first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Anybody else? Yeah, Job just said, you made my evening. Pastor. Hello, Job. All right. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, we Praise have, God on my soul. Uh, Hallelujah. Keep commenting. Um, um, Arinda says, I'm worshiping Arinda. you. I'm worshiping from Uganda. Praise so, God. Hello. Keep worshiping. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. All right. Did we find Second Chronicles 7.14? Yes. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. I will heal their land. That healing will change our culture and bring supernatural spiritual revival to our world. Praise God. So what is the solution to a sleeping church? How do we wake up, guys? Now, you know, when you go to bed, alarm clock will do the trick. Well, we need an alarm clock to wake us up. I had an amazing dream last night. One of those dreams where it just is so real and so sure you wake up and you go, I even asked Marilyn, I go, was that a dream or not? I don't know. But it was so real I could recite it back perfectly. And guess what? I'm not going to tell you what it was. <laughs> but we need to repent. That's the key. There's nothing wrong with repentance. It's really just changing, right? You know, if you smell, change your clothes and take a bath. Take a shower, right? <laughs> That's repentance. Change your mindset. Change your heart. Change your direction, you know? Sometimes some of us are stubborn and we don't want to change our direction. So God gives us a little swift in the backside to remind us we need to make some changes, right? But he does it out of his great love for us. What did he say to that church at Laodicea? To those whom I love, I tell them to repent and to change. Amen? And so uh, God, out of his love, brings us to repentance. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and change. So, number one, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he'll lift you up. That's the good news. When you go low, God takes you high. Amen? And he'll put you a new place in him and his kingdom. <laughs> hey, what is that, a can? <laughs> Let's look at James 4, 4 through 6. Okay. Um, this is in the New Living. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate and the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Everybody say that. God opposes the proud, God opposes the but proud gives grace, gives grace to, the humble. to the humble. And the key is to be humble before the Lord and he will lift you up. Let's look, oh, number two, let's pray continually for spiritual revival and renewal. You know, guys, we forget to pray. You have not because you ask not, James said. And when you ask, you ask amiss with the wrong motives. Ask according to the word of God. Amen. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 is the first scripture I ever memorized as a new Christian. It really is the will of God. You say, Pastor, what's the will of God? Here it is right here. Ready? Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who believe, who belong to Jesus Christ. Rejoice always. <clears throat> in everything, give thanks. Pray without ceasing and never stop praying and rejoice always. Hallelujah. For this is the will of God. Number three, seek the face of God. 
not his hand or handout. So many people want, what can I get from God? You ever thought about praying, what can I give to God? I give you my heart, I give you my soul. Praise God. The psalmist said, your face I will seek daily. Your face. Number four, turn from your worldly and selfish ways. To turn is to turn around. Go the other direction, as we mentioned. Go in the opposite direction. Go west, young man. Go west. <clears throat> if we do this, number five, God will forgive our sin. He'll visit us with great power, which I believe he's going to do very soon. Signs and wonders and miracles, and he'll heal our lands. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you and praise you for the mighty word of God, for the word spoken, Lord, the prophetic word that will not return void because it comes from the mouth of God and the voice of God. Jesus, you love your church, but you're weeping over your church because your church has forsaken you, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Jesus, we want to return to you the pure water that flows from the fountain of God and the and the throne room of God. Lord, now we pray for the lost. We pray for those that have never been saved. I was saved on a balmy night in Palm Springs, California at age 14. It's a long time ago, and I was born again. You can be born again today. You can have Christ in your heart, man. Your whole life will change. Pray this prayer if you need Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me for my sins, my wrongdoings. I repent. I turn from sin, and I turn to you. I want to live a holy and righteous life. I want your holiness and righteousness dwelling in me. I can't do it on my own, but I can do it through the power of your spirit. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Be my personal Lord and Savior. I'll love you and follow you all the days of my life. In your precious name, I pray. And for you believers, you need to rededicate your life to Christ. You need to return back to your first love. Pray this prayer, Lord. I'm a believer. I know you, but I'm not walking with you. I've let the world entice me and the desire for other things. And now, Lord, I ask that you'd come near to me as I draw near, near to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with power and blessing and strength. I shake off the world, and I draw near to you with all my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, praise God. Did you get anything out of that? I hope you did. Amen. 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 Uh, anybody have anything to share here in this fine group here? No, they're just all smiles. Hallelujah. Praise God. I can feel the peace of God right now. We hope you pray those prayers. Keep tuning in for our broadcasts. I missed my mini one this week, but I'll be back on again. Hey, let's do the right thing, guys, before the Lord, and he'll change our world. We'll see you this week. Blessings to you. Thank you for listening to The Message with Pastor Scott Huffman from Lighthouse Church Ministries. Watch us live every Sunday at 1030 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Facebook and Instagram. Find us at LN Lighthouse. Blessings.